Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. From all over the world, okay, all over Canada. Hi, everyone. It's Jungle Jim Jerome with another episode of Inside Curling uh, with me, of course. And uh, if I don't mention me, then I never get mentioned. And, of course, our two World Curling Hall of Famers, <laughs> Kevin Martin and Warren Hansen. Uh, and Christian joins us this morning. Thank you, Christian, for stepping in. He's in Halifax. Warren's in Port Coquitlam. Uh, I'm in Sudbury. Kevin's in Niagara Falls. Welcome, boys. How are you doing? Truly national show. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You know, I have a, I had an idea, Kevin. Next time someone needs to be in uh, Niagara Falls, let's let Warren go there and we can push him over the falls in a barrel. We could try that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's been done, that's I think, but in in the past. Yeah. Not, not to I don't not think to, Warren, I don't think to very much success though. I think people have been nasty, pushed over in a nasty, barrel, nasty. and it was their it was their last hurrah. So uh, anyway, uh, good to, good to have everyone on board. You're there for the Hearing Life Challenge, Kevin. Uh, so we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff today that's on the show. We want to thank, and we certainly appreciate them. Jackpot City, who brings you what's happening around the curling world. Coyote Tractor is the sponsor of Hot Rock Topics. And Goldline brings you in the house and Hearing Life, who sponsors What Are You Hearing? On the show today, uh, we've got a great guest uh, in the house is Rachel Homan is going to join us. Uh, I think we've heard of her. Wikipedia, man, is running out of room. So yeah, we're going to get a chance to talk to Rachel. What's happening around the curling world? Uh, this past weekend, there are a number of events going on involving some of the best curlers in the world. We're going to do a quick review of each of those events, including the Players Open in Dundas, Ontario and a mixed doubles super series uh, that was held in Chilliwack. The World Mixed Curling Championships currently underway in Aberdeen, Scotland. And next weekend, we'll give you an update there. The first Grand Slam of the season, the Hearing Life Tour Challenge, will be happening at the Gale Centre in Niagara Falls. You've been all over Niagara Falls this morning because you couldn't find internet. Been bouncing around to coffee shops. It's, it's, it's hard to find here. I ended up, well, you can see behind me, I'm in a tight little corner here, but uh, I've got two bars out of five. So if I disappear for a bit, everybody, I'll be right back. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin's doing the show from a gas station, a uh, bathroom in the gas station. <laughs> you know what? Hey, Jimmy, I did one one time from the washroom at an airport. That's the honest truth. I was right outside the washroom and they... <laughs> The people kept walking by, of course, to use the washroom, and they kept trying to not bump into my microphone. So we've done shows from all over the place. Okay. <laughs> uh, the first Grand Slam of the season, the Hearing Life Tour Challenge, uh, as we had mentioned, Kevin is in Niagara Falls. That's coming at you. Uh, a well-known former world curling champion has passed away, uh, and we're going to tell you about that. Hot Rock Topics, brought to you by Cody Tractor. We're well into the Bonspiel season, and again... The topic of what sort of playoff should each of the events be using uh, will come up. We'll provide you with some thoughts on how this should be dealt with going forward. What are you hearing? Brought to you by Hearing Life. We are hearing 
a number of things from a listener in the Czech Republic, Christoph Taberi. Uh, Christoph has brought a number of items to our attention. We will discuss a couple of them. And if you guys want to do that, uh, email us, insidecurling at gmail.com, and we will look at your questions. Uh, one of our favorite segments, we do it each and every year. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of getting to know. Like, like, we could be friends now with our guests coming up. It's called In the House. It's brought to you by Goldline. Goldline Curling is proud to be the founding partner of United We Curl, a nonprofit focused on expanding diversity in curling. Learn more at unitedwecurl.com. Our guest, um, if I start to name off all her stats, it would take 10 minutes and we wouldn't have time to talk to her. How about uh, two Olympics? 13 slams, okay? Nine heart appearances, three-time champion, three-time worlds, 2017 world champion, and three children. Okay, now, uh, we want to welcome Rachel Holman. How are you? Can I call you Rach? Can we say that now? Hey, Rach, how are you doing? Good thing. <laughs> okay. what, what's your nickname? You must, what, what do they call you? Uh, that pretty much that. If okay. anybody calls me anything, it's probably Rach. Okay, Rach. Homie? We call you home? Yeah. I get like random people sometimes saying, hey, Rach, that I've never met before. Okay. <laughs> that was a I good think, answer. I think she's referring to me. Yeah. Okay. No, not you at all. Just okay. <laughs> some fans, I feel like they watch us on TV and think they like know us really well. And so I get Rach sometimes from people I haven't met. Uh, well, that's a credit to you. Uh, you're down in Niagara Falls, and uh, we just got you just finished. You, you climbed off the ice. How'd you do? Who'd you play, and how'd you do? Uh, we played Grandy. They played really well, and uh, we made just enough shots to, to win by one. We were talking uh, just before you came on off air, and I asked you what the, the, uh, the score was, and you said, oh, I don't know. And uh, you, you, you said, I, I seldom know what the score is. I just know how many I need in the, in the final end. <laughs> yeah, kind of- yeah. I think it's you're always just figuring out the situation every end and knowing how many you're up by and uh, knowing how many you need to win the game because really that's all that matters. Um, so, yeah, it's when people ask the score, it's like, I don't know what the actual number was, but <laughs> you know how many we needed to win. You got a lot. You got a lot of a lot of stats, a lot of good ones, a lot. You know, you're you're the t- one of the top curlers in the world, have been for a long time. One of the other stats that may become very significant is you're back on the ice after six weeks of giving birth to your son, Briggs. Man, is that quick. It seems quick. Uh, how, how are you feeling? Um, pretty good. I would say this was kind of my, my worst uh, delivery, but uh, so oh, definitely no. a little bit more sore after this one. Um, but taking it slow, and um, we, we had an event a couple weeks ago, and I mean, it's nice that the the days are just one game days. So that makes it helpful for recovery and treatment and things like that. So um, girls are super supportive and I don't have to sweep right now, which really helps. <laughs> Do you bring the kids with you from time to time when you're curling? Yeah, I try to when I can. Um, obviously I have to, I'm bringing Briggs is here and has been kind of attached at the hip for a while and will be until he gets a little bit older. Um, so he's here this week and would have been nice to bring the other kids for uh, see the falls and that, but uh, it takes a, a very large village to make that happen. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that name, Briggs. Uh, Kev, over to you. 
Well, uh, let's talk about the kids a little more because Riot's getting uh, close to doing stuff. Four years old, doing the outside activities. Has he started doing any of the swimming or gymnastics or, or what's he into? Yeah, he's, he's done both of those. He's done a bit of soccer and he's actually just started hockey this winter. So that's been really fun to watch him. Oh my, um, into hockey. That's awesome. So. Like it or not, and he loves it. So it's really fun to, to just watch him do something that he really enjoys. Is he a rough and tumble kid? Somewhere in between, I think. We didn't know if he would enjoy it or not. You know, you put your kids in kind of a bit of everything, and he's uh, he's really loving it. I, I don't know if you would call it hockey at this age, but it's entertaining <laughs> to watch them try and skate around and do some drills and try and connect the stick with the puck. You know, as a parent, you know, you've got your, your life is book solid with curling, and one of your children wants to go into hockey. Boy, that'll free up a lot of time. what are you crazy girl what are you doing (laughs) no it's already three days a week too it seems insane um so they don't uh they don't easy into it no and then bowen she's two now how does she feel about mom being gone all the time oh she's a bit of a mom's girl so she but she's okay i just tell her you know you have to cheer loud for mom on tv and then i'll come home she says okay so that <laughs> she's got that in her mind that she tries to cheer for me when she's with me. So it's nice that this era we can FaceTime and still keep in touch. Or it wasn't really an option before. Right. Hey, before I let Warren in, um, I went to the rink early this morning um, because of the, 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 the two teams practicing at the same time, Rachel. And I, I'd, I'd never seen that before or, or heard of it. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. It seemed a bit chaotic. To me, it was now it was before the men's draw, so it was after yours. I didn't make it for your practice. I was real early in the morning, but for the next one, and there's just a lot of big bodies and fast moving athletes on the ice all at once. I just love to get your opinion on on this new trial of Last Rock Draw, where all the athletes are on the ice at the same time. I think it's it's new and different, so it's something we've never seen before, and. It's tough because the rocks, like we want to, let's say someone wants to match their rocks. Well, when we're alternating, our rocks are getting in the way of the other teams. And so who gets to leave their rock there and who has to move their rock? It doesn't really work. It felt very slow, actually, um, like way slower than a normal practice because you have to wait so long between shots. So how long, uh, Rachel, how, how long do you have? 21 minutes so far. And everybody used all of it. Some people even used more than that. So normally it would be a a seven-minute practice, so 14 minutes, and now it's taking like 21, 22 minutes because you have to wait for the other team to get out of the way and throw. So there's like a lot of lull in between shots. Um, I think what they want to do is put it on TV, but I still think with camera we can do that the way it was, but they might think it's there, there might be a reason for it. I'm not sure. I think right now okay, it's it's cool. fine, um, but I think when TV comes, I heard that we're going to have the practice, then we're going to do announcements, and the ice is going to sit, and then we're going to do the draw. So I hope that that's not the case. I've heard rumors of that. Um, that would make it really challenging to leave the ice for five to ten minutes and then go and throw your draw for Hammer on live TV. Um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but... Um, I hope that's not the case. So we'll stay tuned. Yeah. Like it felt like we could all draw 
and it was fair for both teams. If they make a lull for TV, that might be more challenging, but I mean, it's the same for both teams. So, Thanks for joining us, Rachel, and we'll continue in the curling mode for a bit. You made a big change last year in the fact that Emma Miskew, who had been playing third for you since juniors, uh, moved to second, and Tracy Fleury came in to play third. Emma, one of the best hitters in the game, if not the best, uh, certainly could adapt well for second. But Tracy Fleury is more of a probably soft player than Emma was, and you've got her now playing third. So it's a little bit different from what you have been used to for a lot of years. How have you adjusted to that? How has that impacted the way you play? I mean, it hasn't impacted how we call the game or how um, we approach shots, per se. Um, Tracy still has all the tools. She can. She's made a pile of um, amazing and key hits even the last two weeks that we've played. Um, and then she's also a, a soft field thrower. So it's nice that we have that both second and third. And, I mean, obviously even Sarah... Um, was well known for for being that position as well and could equally step in. So it's nice to have kind of a lot of back-end players in the team with the IQ um, and all the shots available if we need them. So it's it's been a, a really kind of seamless transition, I would say. Obviously, we were trying to figure out um, how sweeping would go and if we could manage me sweeping and and throwing last and we just feel like after doing both that this is kind of the the right setup and the right order for our team moving forward and um it's going really well so you guys feel pretty settled the way things are and that's the way you're going to continue for the rest of the year everything the way it is yeah for sure yeah we kind of all switched positions and tried something out last year and uh, i think just with a few tweaks and figured out what works for the four of us together with communication with sweeping and um, the way people are seeing lines and things like that. So it's feeling really good so far and obviously it's early and everybody still has lots of work to do from the summer and taking some time off, but um, it's feeling really good. If it ain't broke, don't <laughs> fix it. That's right, Jim. Very good. <laughs> so David Murdoch is the new high performance director at Curling Canada. How has that impacted your team? Is uh, he more involved with you than maybe Jerry Peckham had been in the past? Or what is actually happening It might be different with a, a new high-performance director? Yeah, Jerry was um, always really involved and available to to reach out to for whether it was on ice, off ice. Um, and Dave has seemed to step into that role really well. He's available on, off the ice if we have questions for either. And um, so far it feels like... We've been handed off into, into good hands and that he really cares about the sport and 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 how we're doing in, in Canada and trying to make sure everyone is is pushing themselves individually and as a team and, and challenging and making sure that we're keeping track of things and um, it feels really good. So you're going down mixed doubles route as well, it looks like, with Tyler Tardy which uh, you guys have got a pretty sound mixed doubles team there. But this is going to be, again, a pretty crowded situation for you with three children playing four-person, playing mixed doubles as well. What uh, made you decide that you want to continue in the mixed doubles as well as four-person? you think uh, that's something that you're maybe going to put more attention to as time goes on, or are you just going to go both ways for now? Yeah, it's a tough question. Um, 
I, I love both games and they're both so very different and I really enjoy playing with Tyler and think we could be one of the top teams and so it's tough to just um, walk away from something like that if I can do both I would like to um, we would love to play more but uh, with the newborn this year it's making things a little bit more challenging for travel uh, we're trying to find a few more events here or there maybe a little bit more local to still get some games and reps in but uh, maybe not travel as far so um, we were lucky that Sherwood Park had one last weekend um, and trying to find events like that so that we can still compete and we, we really enjoy playing the game it's it's very different from four-person curling but uh, hoping to be able to continue that You've got, you've got three kids. I would try and get out of the house as much as I could. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jim. <laughs> so the mixed double trials are going to be held this coming April, 14 months ahead. Uh, do you like that idea? It's definitely challenging just having a, a newborn, um, having to get ready. in. I thought it was 12 months, 13 months. I'm not sure when the exact date of the trials is, but uh, I know it's not even um, at the end of next year. So I was hoping it would be maybe the end of next year, but uh, just like personal circumstances, obviously that that's not going to be taken into consideration for, for curling Canada. So for them, I think it made a lot of sense to move it up. Um, I like that it doesn't conflict with four person trials that you're not waiting around to see who's won, who's lost out. I think it's been set for the end of April is the uh, is the schedule I think it's been put out. For trials? Yes, mixed double. Oh, okay. Then I think it's been changed twice because I thought it was <laughs> in December and then I heard it was over New Year's. And But you're saying it's in April. Yeah, I think that's the last word. I believe there was a lease put out here a couple of weeks ago that uh, slated for, I think, the third week of April. Well, that's great news. <laughs> so you like that idea. <laughs> I've been uh, kind of trying to get like a max of three hours of sleep every night. So I haven't been paying attention to the curling news per se. So oh God. That's just on me. <laughs> what about the four person? I think it's going to be held the third week of December. Are you happy with that timing? Would you like to see that earlier? Or do you think that's about right having been through this before? What year? I don't know. You guys should have had me on this podcast right now. I haven't paid attention to curling. <laughs> They're used to me. So don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be November of next year. <laughs> I guess uh, two and a half months ahead of the Olympics, roughly. In two years, you mean? Or two years, sorry, yes. Okay, you scared me there, Warren. <laughs> okay, <laughs> two, scares us two, all the two, time. two and a half months yeah. ahead. I think it was held in December last time, and they've put a couple more weeks in there to now hold it uh, in the latter part of November. Is you, you think that's enough time? I don't think that matters too much, whether it's November or December. I think that's consistent from what they've done in the past, and like obviously if you have more time to prepare it together uh knowing what you're going into is is more ideal so the fact they moved it up a couple weeks is is fine just ask you about this the event of course you're playing in here in niagara with the hearing life uh, tour challenge um i'd love to get your thoughts on the event as a whole because you have the tier one of course which you're used to you've been in it for for a long long time one minute a million of them but also the tier two um it seems to be quite a quite a few new teams coming out of the tier two. Of course, the team you played uh, Tuesday morning in Grandy is now in the tier one, but also Morrison, Ha, um, Rorvik. It got quite a few new teams in the women's 
uh, tier one side. So I get, I get your thoughts on, first of all, the, the tour challenge and having two tiers. I'd love to get your thoughts on that because personally, I, I love it. I, I think it's great to be able to include more teams and have get them that slam ice experience. Obviously, it's much different than curling ice. So to have that experience and to know where they need to get to and what to strive for and things to change and to continue to improve those teams that are right on the cusp of, of trying to, to make it onto the tour or into that tier one. So I think that that's great that they're able to have that. If The more we can do of that, the better, I think, for the sport and for the game. So it's great to include some some teams that are, again, right on that that bubble and it's tough to, to get points as an international team sometimes. And so it's, it's, uh, it's great to be able to include some Canadian teams if we can and, um, keep pushing that development within Canada. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Good answer. The development. I agree with you. It's so important to get, keep getting these teams. And well, it wasn't that long ago, Rachel, that Carrie Anderson came out of the tier two. Um, we had world oh, champion. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Carrie came out of tier two. And uh, Corey Dropkin, now the mixed doubles world champion, he won the last two tier twos on the men's side. So, yeah, some top caliber people coming out of tier two. So, uh, I, I, yeah, it just gives people a chance, to your point, for the development side of the game. Absolutely. Uh, Rachel Holman's been our guest. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Rach. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Can't thank you enough. Um, that's it. Yeah, You can call me Jungle. Jungle. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time, Rachel, uh, come on the show because if you don't do this you had nothing to do with kids under four and five years old I'm counting down the seconds till i'm gonna nap right now go ahead uh, rachel good luck the rest of the week we really appreciate you coming on take it easy thanks so much thanks for having me Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. So here we go. What's happening around the curling world? Brought to you by Jackpot City. Jackpot City, casino games perfectly made for you. Number of events were on uh, this past weekend. Uh, let's take a look at the two that involved some of the best teams in the world. How about the Players' Open Championship that took place in Dundas, Ontario? I've never been there. Uh, Warren, you're on, man. Bring us up to speed. So this was an event that uh, Rylan Hartley talked to us about last week. He's uh, he's putting it on. Players Open, men and women. Two divisions, a total of $70,000 in prize money in each division was up for grabs. On the women's side of things, a pretty solid performance by the world teams. In the semifinals, Caitlin Laws of Canada played Anna Hasselborg from Sweden, and Hasselborg came out the victor. In the other semi, it was Isabel Rana of Sweden. Young team, as you remember, last year had a great finish at the end, winning a slam against Unjung Kim of Korea, and Rana was the winner. In the final, which was, of course, now an all-Sweden affair, Hasselberg took out the younger Rana team 9-3 to quite easily. 
On the men's side, Canada was the dominant nation. Brendan Botcher took out John Epping in one semi, while Kevin Cooey defeated Anna Annick Squaller of Switzerland in the other. It was an interesting final between Botcher and Cooey. Botcher was up 4-1 after six. On the strength of four, he scored in the sixth, but Cooey bounced right back with three in the seventh to have the score tied going home. Botcher, of course, with the hammer, scored a single for a 5-4 victory. So the winners, Hasselborg and Botcher at that event. Yeah, a couple of people we've never heard of. <laughs> some, some, new, some new teams to the... Kev, what do you think? Well, it sounds like the event, the event went really well, actually. I was talking to Karik about it. Um, it's great to see some some new events that have you know really solid prize money run very well. Ron Hartley, of course, is uh, he works really hard at the game, not just on uh, events like this, but with the Players Association and with his uh, streaming service and all these different things. So great to see it. Yes, on the women's side, uh, one Canadian team out of the final eight. But to Warren's point, uh, Canada did much better on the men's side. So uh, it'll be interesting to see this week at the Grand Slam, because most of the teams, Jimmy, on the women's and men's side that were in Dundas are also here this week. So it was an all-star field in Dundas. And they were using two different clubs, just basically across a golf course from each other. Uh, the men played at the one club, and the, and, the, and the women's event was at the other. So pretty interesting to use two different clubs, have that many teams, big prize money, really well done. So congratulations to Rylan and all of his, I know he had a ton of volunteers and people working with him, so congratulations to all of them. It's good dough now, Kev. You ever think of coming back? There's some cash to make. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Warren, uh, tell us who won the mixed doubles event in Chilliwack. Well, this was part of the Super Series that's taking place across Canada this year. Uh, the event in Chilliwack didn't have the depth of talent that the one a week ago in Sherwood Park did, but there were still some pretty solid teams there on the world rank. Calvide and Lil of Estonia, who are ranked number three, were there. Perrette and Reeves of Switzerland, who are number four. Walker Myers, Canada, who are number five. And Martin Laycock, Canada, who are number eight. Because this event was held in BC, there was a large contingent of deep BC players in it, with actually two of them making the semis. In the one semi, it was a BC duo of Tyler Reese Hansen and Corey Chester, who were against the Estonian team of Calvi and Lil. And on the other side of the sector was a BC team of Cotter Cotter, went against another Canadian team of Walker Myers. A bit of an upset as well-known BC curler Jim Cotter and his daughter wow. defeated the Walker Myers duo, who last week lost the final of the event in Sherwood Park. On the other side, Calvi and Lil came through. As expected, in the final, the Estonian team, Maria Calvale and Harry Lill easily defeated Cotter by a score of 8-3. to three. So that was the mixed doubles event in Chile. Cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool, eh? Father, daughter. Yeah. Uh, yes. Cotter, Cotter, daughter, father. Yeah. Cotter, Cotter. Cotter, Cotter yeah. Uh, good. Welcome back, Cotter. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Uh, the world mixed curling. Don't get confused, folks, okay? The World Mixed Curling, to remind everyone, this is a four-person mixed curling, not mixed doubles, okay? That championship, the World Championship, is being held in Aberdeen, Scotland. Warren, what's going on there in Aberdeen? So Canada is represented by Felix Aslan of Quebec, who you may remember won the Canadian Championship last fall, playing with Felix, his third, Laurie St. George, second, Emile Aslan, and lead, Emily Riley. 
They're currently sitting with a record of 5-0. So the World Mix is a solid Tier 2 event, curlers. Not too many uh, Tier 1 players in this event. However, this event in Aberdeen is interesting because there are 34 nations involved. So that's big. Kind of divided into four sections with two, of sec two sections of nine and two of eight. Looks like a round robin is going to be used to determine how it works. But with groups of nine and eight, I'm not sure how the selection is being made. Whether it's going to be the top two from each group or the teams with the best record. Nevertheless, it looks like the top eight teams are going to make the playoffs. In the group with Canada is Slovenia, New Zealand, Poland, Chinese Taipei, Hungary, Austria, Lithuania, and Finland. So we expect Canada to probably easily make the playoffs. Some interesting nations in this event, however. India, Nigeria, Brazil, and even though Ukraine is at war, they have a team there. But the one that's missing, which again is interesting, is China. So that event wraps up next weekend. Besides Canada, leading some of these other sections at the moment, Sweden in Group A is at 5-0. and o. Of course, Canada in Group B is at 5-0. and o. In the C group, uh, interesting countries here. Spain's at 4-0, but United States right behind them at 3-0. And, and in Group D, we have Norway at 5-0 and, and Switzerland at 4-0. So those are the leaders as things sit at the, at the moment. Yeah. Uh, from the... Um pool of dumb questions that I ask. I'm, I'm assuming, Warren, mixed curling is two men and two women. That's correct, Jim. And they must play in alternate positions, uh, male skip usually and female third, male second, female lead, but they can reverse it. You can have a female skip, but again, for some reason that hasn't happened that often. Although there has been one Canadian championship, one, one for sure by my memory, with the Shannon Clybrink winning the uh, the Canadian mix back around 2004 as a skip. All right, that wasn't that bad. That wasn't that dumb a question, more. No, it wasn't that dumb. Okay. It wasn't bad. <laughs> Kev, what do you think about mixed curling and what's going on in Aberdeen? Well, 34 teams and, and the, the nations that Warren mentioned is fantastic. Uh, I, I tried to play mixed a couple of times with my wife, but that, that didn't pan out very well. So good for everybody who can play it. I had uh, I tried, but uh, failed. I do enjoy hearing so many new nations, though. That is fantastic. Get in there and get these um, the new countries that are getting into curling, into some of these championships. Let them feel the pressure getting on to, you know, getting into the international curling scene so they'll play more. I think it's good. So what happened that it didn't work for you? Oh, man. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, had Sean and I played a, just a little bit more mixed curling, yeah, well, maybe Kark would have existed, but Kalisha and T Michaela, I don't think so. That would have been the end of it. But uh, we were smart enough to not <laughs> okay. play mixed curling that much. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm not sure if it was me who was too bullheaded or Sean. I'm not sure. <laughs> the first Grand Slam of the season happens this week in Niagara Falls. Yeah, we're underway. Cool. Uh, it's the Hearing Life uh, Tour Challenge. The format features a total of 32 teams for men and for women. And in both divisions, the teams are split into 16 Tier 1 and 16 Tier 2 teams. In both cases, the round-robin play will consist of four pools with four teams in each pool. The top eight teams in both divisions will qualify for the playoffs. Kev, first one. Are you all excited? I am, yeah. Beautiful building. I, I looked at it this morning. And, uh, uh, of course, this is we're taping on on uh, Tuesday. Um, so I was there this morning. One wrinkle, uh, Jimmy, in, in this event, they're actually doing the draws the button 
uh, together. So both teams are on the ice practicing at the exact same time and then throwing the draws back to back at the end of the practice. It's okay. I, I'm not sure if they'll continue or not. Um, a lot of the players aren't really enjoying it. The, the, the players are, especially on the men's side, they're really big humans. And to have the 10 players, the four players plus the fifth, plus coaches all on the ice, that's 12 at least players on one sheet of ice all at the same time practicing. It's mm. quite the dance. I, I really enjoyed it. I stood beside Mark Nichols actually watching it and sitting beside Caitlin Laws watching it because everybody was there trying to catch on. To, okay, how are we going to do this? Having two teams practicing at the exact same time on the exact same sheet to get to the draw of the button. So very interesting. I'm really excited to figure it out. No, I've only seen it happen once. So during this week, though, I'm going to be paying attention to it and just see how it how it works as far as the flow goes. And, and you know, there's a lot of no, every sport's the same. Like if it's the kind of two teams that uh, battle a lot, there's going to be some chatter going on between the two teams before the game starts, especially if Ben Hebert's out there. And, you know, there's always going to be that kind of stuff happening. And it'll be interesting to see if it's a bit of an issue or not. I don't know what to expect, but I did go there to, early to uh, to watch it and just kind of see how it panned out. So an interesting wrinkle right. to this event. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of weight on the uh, on the ice at one time. <laughs> Warren, what do you think? First event of the year. You must be excited as well. Yes, I am. This is uh, it's great to see all these teams back on the ice. I think uh, that tier one is stronger than I've ever seen it, particularly on the men's side. Wow, what a list of teams! And the thing I like about this event is it got the tier two uh, action going on as well, which is fantastic because. I think uh, the winners from the Tier 2 last year, uh, escapes my mind at the moment with the air, but I think they're both in Tier 1 this year. So it's a great event all around, and I uh, look forward to see what's going to happen in the next couple of days. Okay, so now it's uh, time. We've done this uh, each and every season where we make our picks. Uh, I'm sure last year I, I kicked your butts, you guys. Uh, we'll just go with that. We'll go with that. Uh, I'm going to pick three teams. From the women's three team, from the men's. I'm going, Warren, write this down. I'm going with Terranzoni. I'm going with Laws, and I'm going with Homan. All right, so I'm going to pick Einerson, Hasselberg, and I'm going to pick uh, Fujisawa. Uh, I like Vrano. They played very well last week. Did lose the final to Hasselberg, but playing really well, so I'll pick Isabella. And I've got I've got to I've got to go with Holman as well. They just they've just they look good. They look like they're just no. They, they've all been busy and and having little ones and stuff, but it just doesn't seem to matter. <laughs> they're they're playing great, so that's my choice as well. Jim already picked Holman. Uh, oh, Kevin did she? Oh, you okay, pick. okay, okay, okay. I go on. Jeez, you guys. I will pick Unjun Kim along with Isabella Brano. Okay, so there's the eight eight women. So Jim will pick three men. I'll pick three men, and Kevin will pick two. Okay, I'm going with uh, Ramsfeld, Mowitz, Carruthers. Ramsfeld, Mowat, and Carruthers, says Jim. Well, I'll have to pick Botcher because he's coming off of a, a hot week last week. Uh, I can't overlook Adin without question, or Gushu. So those are my, my three, Adin, Gushu, and Butcher. Kevin? Yeah, well, Kui ended up losing the final last week in a tight game, and they played Butcher actually in another final earlier this year. 
uh, yep. in Alberta. So I will go with Cui, and then also Retornas out of Italy. I'll pick Joel as my second pick. So look at some of the teams we're overlooking here. This is how tight this thing is. Yeah, no oh, kidding. Yeah, so we're overlooking Dropkin, Dunstan, Schwaller, Schuster, White. We're not picking because there's no room when we're only picking eight. So there you go. <laughs> well, we'll just email them and tell them all you know and say, you didn't get picked. <laughs> uh, another world-renowned curler has passed away. Uh, Bud Somerville from the USA. Uh, Warren, uh, you wrote a nice piece about it. Uh, on Facebook. Uh, Tell us about Bud. Yes, Bud was uh, kind of the U.S. ambassador for curling for many years. He's a native of Superior, Wisconsin. He was a five-time USA champion, two-time world champion, and actually participated in the Olympic demonstration for curling in 1988 and again in 1992. He won his world titles with two different teams, the constant in both wins, however, was Bill Strum, who played third in 1965 when he won in Scotland, and the second victory in 1974. Strum played second when that event happened in Bern, Switzerland. Somerville also won a silver medal at the 69 Worlds and a bronze at 68 and 1981, another silver. The 1965 win over Canada's Terry Bronstein was the first time in Canada was defeated at the World Men's Championship, so that's another... Uh, Another statistic that Bud holds. Interesting enough, Jim, Bud Somerville is probably the only curler that I can think of that Kevin and I both played against at the world level. How about that? How does that work? You're 500 years older than all of us. How did that... <laughs> <laughs> Explain that. How did, how did that work? Well, I played against him in the 74 Worlds, and Kevin played against him in the 1992 uh, Olympic demonstration in Elberville. Uh, wow, there you go. Uh, that's how old you're getting, Kevin. <laughs> exactly. I was playing with his son, Tim, that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as we get older, of course, we we, we lose a bunch of legends, and uh, but we got to thank the people who came before us and uh, to, to the family uh, of Bud. Um, look after yourselves, folks. Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, the UTVs, and the ZTRs, and compact construction equipment to do it. Coyote, we dig dirt. The curling season's in full gear. Oops, my voice cracked there. <laughs> the, <laughs> it is. I'm all fired up, yeah. Uh, curling season's in full gear again this year. The type of playoff system being used for various events Seems to be inconsistent uh, with no direction from anyone, yet all of these events have points that lead to the world rankings. You can tell Warren's going to jump on this. So you're on, Warren. I think I know what you think about it. But <laughs> well, I complained a fair amount about this last year, and I, I can't see where it's any better this year. Uh, the same thing, we're going into these events and we don't know what the playoff approach is. I give an example on this show with uh, the World Mixed uh, Championship going on. No indication anywhere that I can find who makes the playoffs, except uh, it looks like there's a semifinal and, and a quarterfinal, but it doesn't say how you get there. And this event this past weekend uh, got into some issue as well because the playoff system wasn't clearly defined before the event started. 
And as a result, a lot of confusion erupted. So I don't get it. The The playoff for these events should become a standard issue. There should be maybe option A, B, C. I think the World Curling Federation is the ones that need to step up to this because they're the ones awarding the points. And they should be the ones that says, if this event is being run with this number of teams, here's the acceptable playoff system that can be used for it. Pick A, B, or C. If you don't pick that particular playoff system, then we won't issue the same number of points for the event. I think that's uh, one firm way of standing up. But there's another factor involved here as well. Uh, If you're going to promote and advertise these events, people need to know how do you win or what's going on and, and how do you go from step one to step two. And I can go back and take a look at the Briar. For the first 50 years, the Briar was pretty clear. It was a round robin. Everybody knew that. For the next 15 years, it was a three-team playoff. And so the whole world knew it was a three-team playoff. And then for the next 20 years, it was the page system. But again, since 2016, it's practically changed every year as well. So nobody really knows what the hell's going on. So I think the whole thing has to be taken a hold of by the WCF. And I think they've got to come up with standard approaches and give you options as to what you will use in a playoff for the points to be awarded. Why, why is that so important, Warren? Who cares what the playoff format is? You, you show up, they t- here's what the playoff format is, off you go. Why, 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 why do you feel it needs to be known ahead of time? Because you, you don't know what the playoff system is, and in particular if you're playing, to walk into an event not knowing what you've got to do to win is, 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 is pretty difficult. And to then maybe assume something, and it isn't how it comes out in the end, to, to sell and promote the event, the public needs to know, how do you win this event? Not that there's a, a round robin and then some people are going to qualify, but is it going to be the top two out of each pool? Is it going to be the people with the best record out of all the pools? Okay. You don't know. We'll agree to slightly disagree. I don't like to disagree with you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, what do you think? Come to my aid, Kev. Come to my side. Yeah, yeah. Yo, I can't come to your aid, but I'm going a different direction. Um, another, pro- I guess, another issue that's happening right now in this uh, the whole uh, bond spiel and the point, the the amount of points that are that are allocated depending on the, the strength of the field and the number of teams. That's really not very clear right now. There's some rules that don't really make sense. Um, if an event was had a pretty good field last year. But then, say it wasn't well run, there's a couple of examples, but I don't want to throw anybody under a bus. Um, and then, so this year, not many people went to those events. They were still worth the same amount of points, if you can imagine. So the one year, you have a whole bunch of really good teams in an event, but they, you know, but the event's not well run. The good teams don't want to go back because there's other events to choose from. That event, the next year, with almost nobody in it that's good, is worth the same amount of points. Like it's, it's crazy stuff. So there's definitely a need to basically shake this thing upside down and maybe get the world curling federation in charge of it. Uh, definitely needs to be looked at though. The whole world ranking point system thing is just sort of messed up right now and really needs to be, need to have a really good look at it and make sure the players sign off on it after like, so somebody from the world curling federation, whoever uh, takes it on, make sure they have the players, uh, signature on it at the end because right now the players aren't real happy with the way it's done. You took the words right out of my mouth, Kev. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, Jimmy. Yeah. Well, you know the thing is, Jim. Right now, the thing is, Jim, with that, it's very important because you got so many world events going on the same weekends all over the world. So it's really important, and these teams are all trying to make it to the Grand Slams. That's what they're trying to do. 
right. make it into places like Niagara this weekend, and it all has to do with points. Mm-hmm. But if the point allocation isn't fair or it doesn't make sense, that's a problem. Right. Going, you know, for because teams aren't getting into Niagara that it maybe should be, or at least in the tier one. So it's something that needs to be looked at. I can understand that. What are you hearing? That's a new segment we started a while ago, brought to you by Hearing Life. If vision places the world in front of us, hearing places us at its center. Hearing Life invites you to love your ears with a free hearing test. No referral needed. Visit hearinglife.ca to book your free hearing test today. And I did it. I'm okay, you guys. I can't pretend that I don't hear you anymore because my hearing's uh, good, but I went and got a test. Speaking of that, we're hearing from Christoph Tiberi uh, in the Czech Republic. Christoph has a number of questions for us, and uh, we will try to answer them today. First question, we've noticed quite a few sweepers follow directly behind the rock and put pressure on the brush without any motion. Is this legal? Kevin. It's not the way that I teach it in our academies. Can you do that? Yeah, you can do it. Um, But the problem is when you're directly behind the rock, you're blocking the view of the thrower. So that's the only thing that kind of bothers me with that is that you're really kind of impeding your thrower from seeing the line, um, which I think is kind of important. But as far as that heavy, it's called a heavy clean. And you'll see that this weekend when you tune in in Niagara, you'll see uh, people like Erasmus Verano, uh, Oscar Erickson, uh, you'll see Carrick do it, um, Bobby Lammy, um, and, and many, many more. I don't want to forget anybody, but there's a whole bunch of, of people that do it. Um, and it's just a hard clean before they, the rock gets near the breaking point, and then you'll, you'll sweep hard at that point. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a common practice now. The only thing, I, as a thrower, like for me, if I was throwing, I would like my sweeper's legs to be out of the way so I can see the line properly. That, that's the only thing that would concern me. Um, with that sweeping style, but it's it's effective. I can't say anything about the lack of effectiveness. It it certainly works, and it's a hard clean. You're you're not going to do that all the way down the ice. It's generally done early, um, and then after the decision point, after the breaking point, you sweep hard, you make it curl, you make it straight, whatever the case may be. But uh, that hard clean is at the start, generally. So great question. Okay. Now, Warren, there is a, you and I were talking last night, there is a, there is a rule though that you're not, what, what are you not allowed to do about picking up the brush? The final motion of the brush must be away from the path of the rock. So you can't lift the brush in front of the stone. So that's quite obvious that you can't drop debris in front of the rock. But anything else is that you do with the brush is legal now, except you can't raise it in front of the stone. Gotcha. Has to finish away. Thank you, boys. Another question from Christoph. TV coverage seems to favor some of the teams, which irritates the fans. Well, I like the good teams. There are suspicions that <laughs> there are behind-the-scenes negotiations and money between the networks and the advertiser to get specific teams prioritized for TV coverage over other teams that might be higher ranked. Dum, bum, bum, bum. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hey, Christoph, this just in. Yeah, people like to watch the best teams. <laughs> uh, okay, Warren. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This this is an interesting one. Uh, particularly, we get into the Scotties and the Briar. All the mumbling back and forth. They were showing that team three times already, and they're showing them again, and they haven't shown this one, uh, folks. This is a very simple answer. It's about numbers. Right. 
and you're going to show the games that you think are going to get the most numbers. And there's nothing in any rules anyway that says certain teams or provinces have to be shown on television because that's just not the case. There's no, I don't think there's any skullduggery going on by anyone. The people selecting the games they're going to televise, for the most part, they're going to look at what's going to bring you the best numbers, which numbers is money. And this, in fact, television coverage is about money. Can't put it any simpler than that. I, if I look back in the old days when I was in this business, the Briar Final. We'd love to see Alberta play Ontario in the Briar Final because we knew that was going to bring the biggest numbers because that's where the most curlers were in Canada in those two provinces. And it's uh, it's as simple as that. I'm, I'm assuming you agree with that, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, it's, it's absolutely the truth. And, and you know, which games are the most meaningful? So when it comes to getting close to the end of the round robin in events, um, you want to make sure you play. You don't show two teams that haven't won a game yet. You want to show two teams that have a chance to make the playoffs right. and also the most charismatic teams. Like if I could give any advice to, to curling teams out there, don't be boring. Like don't, don't be you know, just willing to hit up and down the sheet, get rocks in play, play exciting right. shots. The more exciting shots you play, the more people are going to want to watch it, which means you'll get on TV more, which increases the value of your sponsorship. And you as a team will have a better brand and make more money. That's kind of it. Right. So listen, Christoph, yeah, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing, uh, as, as Warren said, nefarious. There's no, there's no skullduggery. You know, it might be a little different if the guy said, and there's Brad Gushu, uh, who had dinner last night at Montana's. Uh, so did the rest of the team. They were at Montana's, and uh, they're going back to Montana's. Because <laughs> they love Montana's. You might have a point there. There might be a little something going on, but uh, uh, not, not, not the case. Uh, we got another question. Um, it says here, asking, it's bewildering how Bondsville's featuring... Top international and Canadian teams have so few fans watching in the building. It was very different in years gone by. Well, we, we get this from time to time. So uh, Christoph is asking, why has this changed? Uh, I'm sure both of you have some opinions on this, but but we got it. We go to we go to Warren on this one uh, all the time because he he was the one who grew the sport so dramatically, and uh, it must it must. Make your heart drop a little bit, Warren, when you do look at that uh, TV coverage now and go, oh, oh, darn it, not not the fans that used to be there. What what do you think, Warren? Well, this started uh, a long time ago. It didn't start uh, last year. It probably started around 2010, 2011, when I think things started to slide from the, the great events that we were able to produce uh, probably between, what, 1997 and uh, 2010. 2015, I think, was the last event that uh, the Briar had 150,000 attendants, and it hasn't scared that since then. Because things change, times are changed, and there's need to take a whole different approach on how you sell this product and uh, what you do to get people in the building. And right now, with the uh, audience that we're trying to attract into the buildings, I don't think there's much reason for them to go there because the events are covered in television. And there isn't really anything exciting there taking place that uh, can attract particularly somebody under 40 knowing that uh, what you have to do to attract this younger audience is quite different from what's happened in the past without getting into detail. So I think that's a lot of it. A lot of it is advertising and promotion. And I go back into the days of those successful briars. Uh, we spent a lot of money on selling those events. There was a lot of advertising done. There was a lot of promotion done. Uh, in each local community, community we probably had 10, 15 people 
that worked for a year at the local level doing various things to keep the interest and uh, attention on that event. So it's 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 hard work to make sure you have a building filled, and you've got to have, secondly, a good reason for people to go there. And I don't think either one of those things are happening today with uh, with many of the big events. So it's not that it can't happen. It just isn't happening. Could it also be worn that way back then there weren't as many games on TV, so people were more apt to go to the arena because maybe they couldn't watch it? There's been as many games on TV since 1985. That hasn't changed. Okay. Uh, Kev, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's the entertainment that uh, needs to change a little bit. Um, Sean and I, like, we're golf fans, but we're not great golf fans, you know what I mean? And uh, there's an event down in in, uh, in Palm Springs every year, and we went... I think it was last year we went. And the reason we went is uh, we, we we actually took in about a third of the golf day. We wanted to watch a little bit of golf, but that wasn't really the reason. But there's a concert right after that came with the ticket. So we ended up having a wonderful you know, few hours, had a glass of wine, walked around the course, watched John Rom bomb it out there a million miles. And then uh, after, though, then there was an excellent uh, concert afterwards. So we enjoyed the concert, had a wonderful day, and headed home. So... Um, there was more than just the golf. The golf was important. Like, I, I love golf. Phil Mickelson made some wonderful shots and so on. It was g- great golf to watch. A couple of years ago it would have been. And uh, and then to be able to enjoy a concert afterwards, have a wonderful day, finished off at night, and then head home. It was just it was an awesome experience. And we're not the biggest golf fans. Had there not been the concert, I don't think we would have went. Uh, so there we go, boys. Another show in the books. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening and uh, tuning in. And thanks for your questions, uh, Christoph. You can do it as well, uh, insidecurling at gmail.com. And we'll, uh, we, we love getting your emails. We use them, as a matter of fact. Uh, we want to thank Rod Paulson, his company, In-House Strategies. He's been with us the whole way along. Uh, he handles our Facebook and our Facebook page and Facebook group. If you don't belong, check it out, man. There's uh, lots going on in there. We'd love you to express how you feel. Take Warren on. Also, starting Thursday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, the Hearing Life Challenge from Niagara Falls uh, will be on Sportsnet. So depending on the draw, you might have to check around because the game uh, could be on Sportsnet, Sportsnet West, Sportsnet Pacific, or Sportsnet Atlantic, and Sportsnet One. So go to the uh, Grand Slam of Curling website uh, for all the details. Thanks a lot to Jackpot City, Coyote, Hearing Life, and Goldline, who make all of this possible at Inside Curling. Take it easy, boys. We're going to talk to you next time. Kevin, don't step off the edge of the falls. Our next show, not a regular schedule, will be Friday uh, evening this week, and uh, we'll give you an update from Niagara Falls and the Hearing Life Challenge. Go back to doing whatever you're doing, lads. i got to get dressed. I'm in my pajama pants. Oh, no. (laughs) See you, boys. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim.